the content don't contemplate. Ugh. The riches don't unearth themselves. Uh, you have discovered good. Keep control in the midst of chaos. Marked as a subhuman. Reputation is everything. Talking for the sake of getting better at it. Rip the meaning out. Live without meaning. Have no romance. Don't want tepid, tender care. Whining and hostility are intertwined. Some guy got his finger bitten off at Rudyard's yesterday. Don't know how it's related to the guy who asked the comedian group, the guy with the bloated alcoholic face, the one everyone hates. You need only say that guy weeks later to anyone who was there. He asked if I ever fisted my urethra. No, end of conversation. Everyone wants you to leave. You're the same guy I blocked on every social media platform. You're so whiny and then hostile. He's the same guy who harassed the bartender's mom with sexual phone calls at 3 a.m. I'm not sure what he had to do with the guy who bit off the doorman's finger. Not a good customer. He gave me a piece of pizza at the beginning of the night. It was greasy. He talked about the cost of it. He was about to throw it out. I took it because I was hungry, but then I had to talk to him. He stepped too close into my personal space and dominated all talk with his aggressive and then passive-aggressive and then hostile non-joke attacks and put-downs. I don't like this person. Someone out there hates me just as much. I know it. That is not success. So that was a story of success. Um, it was called... What, would, what did I call it again? The Pleasure's All Wrong by Blab Morrissey. And this was a podcast about healing. The Healing Club. God damn it, I hate the name of my own podcast. But I really... We had a rocky start in our first interactions. Together I grew respect and enmity and competition for this next uh, performer. The, um, the man that uh, I insulted uh, on Jamal Rahal's camera and uh, made him feel bad for for trying to do comedy when I was five years in and he was just starting. Um, I was a bad person to this guy the first time I met him. And I had actually already met him six months prior, but I forgot him. And then I heard him doing these jokes that I just hated. And, and I, I blamed a lot of the bad things on him. I, 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 I blamed him for bad things that he had nothing to do with. Like we all do. And uh, it's. I, I have a real respect for Patrick Eady, is the guest on this Healing Club podcast with me, Bob Morrissey. <sighs> and this guy's name is Patrick Eady.
I guess they're supposed to be muffled. Um, okay. This is Patrick Eady. He's muffled. And, uh, <laughs> guest here again. The Healing Club. I, I don't have any ding-dong intros. Woo-woo. Uh, yeah, this I mean, is my club. This is cool. a fun podcast. We just came from the Dan Electro's open mic where um, I didn't see your set, but I killed real yeah, it was, I was great. I was amazing. And it then was, some guy went up after me and was like, get a load of that shit. That was terrible, everybody. Let's get some energy in here. Fuck you, Ed, that guy, as you're walking away. And then he's fucking with the host. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's new, new comic shit, man. New <laughs> yeah. comic shit. So I'm going to electrify the room. I'm going to turn this whole mic around. It's the confidence of being yeah. new. You always go up wanting to do well. I think. Um, I agree. But I, I know when I'm not going to do that well. I understand. And, uh, you can feel it coming. When I was standing there at the top of the set going, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and people laughed, and then the table that didn't like me was like, or is that even a joke? And I was like, I'm just laughing at the context of this situation. And yeah. They, I'm not, I didn't say anything funny. I just went, Ugh. But I don't know. That's kind of funny, though, Bob. I mean, like, I know you, but that's kind of a funny thing that you do. It's like a signature, uh, more, it's like the, uh, like, <laughs> the, that's, oh, I've had it. that's it. We're just going to do it, man. Mm. Uh, it's uh, meow. That's so, my so, other thing. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> the Bobisms, the Morrisseyisms. My vocal fry. Meow. It's well, you know, some days it's work, man. It's you don't feel like doing it, but I think it's it's good to do even if you don't feel like doing it. Mm. I really, I mean, like whether it's like a podcast or working out, I think it just kind of falls yeah. into that kind of. Comedy is a lot like working out. Comedy is the I gym. Agree. Open mics are a gym. Yeah, I agree with that it sentiment. Is, uh, I do. Well, it's just like, you know, I mean, even like, you know, you went, you were in the army, you did basic training. I mean, they, they put your body through all that stuff for 90 days to get you accustomed to what they ask you to do. And this is kind of, you know, it's not basic training because it lasts fucking forever. But yeah. it's, I, I, I really like open mics. I enjoy it, even though they suck a lot. But I, I'd rather be doing this than fighting fires. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like ladders that much. So I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't like dogs, so I couldn't fight. I don't like Dalmatians. Oh, do all fire stations have Dalmatians, or is that just like a? They do. They do. No shit. Every, they have like every single one. Really? <laughs> I had no idea. I, you think they bring them in? I mean, like, did what? Is it just like a morale booster? Does it have like a practical? Um, I, I I don't know. They need to uh, turn the wheels when they put the fire. The, they the dog goes and chases everybody away while uh, while they ah. hook up the hose to the. Uh, fire hydrant that was like a bouncer yeah and he's like hey back away there's back a fire away. happening <laughs> arf, arf, arf. Um, i don't know let me go get my beer from the fridge hold on one second oh you got, you got and we're back i got my beer from the couch and uh <laughs> it, it was an all. impressive reach i wish people yeah. listening to this could have saw it it was oh. really used your lats there bobby oh, oh man look at this You're like a wild animal tearing it open <laughs> Some synergy with your there set there. Go. Thank you, sir. Oh. So we had a rough time uh, getting to know each other. I would say the first time I met you, I um, I, I made a bad impression. I I I was very mean. Well, I, I think was... I also made a bad impression. To be fair, because <laughs> like you know, let me tell you something, Bob. From my perspective, I didn't know you that well, but I saw how well liked you were, and I saw how like you were always real kind. To most people, even even if like you know circumstances dictated otherwise, so when that had happened, I was like, wow, I'm I must have really really fucked up because I, I remember the night very clearly. 
it was July 3rd, 2017. And I remember it because my, my first showcase was going to be that month. Mm. And I think, I think Jamal or somebody had filmed that set for me. Yeah, I didn't and, know Jamal either. Yeah, you didn't know him yet either. It's so funny that Jamal was filming. Yeah, I, I, and then Miranda was there, and it was a pretty packed little house. And I, I was doing some dumb bit about, um, I think, you know, eating pussy and then period blood. And then I think there was a group of gay men there who, who yelled, ew. And then I mentioned, well, you guys eat ass every now and then. And, and that, you know, every, yeah. you're not wiping it. So I hope you die of AIDS. Yeah. Well, I didn't say that. No, no, that wasn't implied either. I was <laughs> not at all. I thought all. that's what I heard. And I was like, God damn it, fucker. If, if I did say that, <laughs> that's, well, I, it's, I, you could hear you on the recording. Yeah. I, I, I just heard, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> you're the fucking worst. And then I. I didn't realize it on stage, but I got off stage and my girlfriend at the time was like, you pissed some guy off really bad. And I was like, oh, oh. And then I, I kind of dug into it. I was like, oh, man. I, and I, I felt I didn't really feel good about that at all. But then, you, uh, you know, I think it was like six months later, I saw you at uh, Christian's tailgate and you pulled me aside and uh, you apologized to me. And I, I think I owed you apology as well because I didn't I wanted to make sure like I didn't say because like you know I, from your perspective you told me you thought i said something derogatory towards uh gay people and if i it, i i, I wouldn't thought was that you're going into the the gay bar to tell homophobic jokes right right and i was like hey get, this is our place i agree you know you can say that out in your showcase in pasadena right wherever right. the fuck everybody's gonna laugh at it but yeah can you at least save us from that i understand <laughs> I, but, uh, I understand exactly what you're saying and yeah. i i will say like morena and guava lamp was actually really good to me they yeah, uh sure. they, and, they booked me on my first like little showcase there and i think uh you and michael dd uh, hosted it yeah and i yeah. got to participate day -day. in that day day excuse yeah. me michael michael day day yeah. and uh that was that meant a lot to me and like uh i i i, I loved and hated that room because like you know it, it was pretty brutal sometimes but i really learned how yeah. to cut my teeth in there and I love I, listening to that one guy sing. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, oh. Mark Winburn. He was fantastic. He unfortunately passed away, I believe, uh, at the turn of the year. Oh. Yeah, but he was a sweetheart, man. He was always real nice. And that was, that's one thing I really enjoyed, too, is just kind of having to follow people that sang. Because mm -hmm. that, that does, there's not optimal, yeah. but you realize, hey, I got to start fast or I got to try something out of it. Being pushed out of your comfort zone, like you can't just do a fucking one liner to open up. You got to be grab their attention, man. They want something to. They want to be entertained. Yeah, you know, it descrambles the room's expectations when it's a mixed open mic of poetry yeah. or music. Or, I think poetry would be easier to follow than some types of music. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, it's a, it's the spoken word, and there's still like a rhythm to it. Some some poets, like I've seen, uh, you know. It's kind of a tactic, like we, they kind of sense the room is dead, so they get off stage and they take that wireless mic around. And they get like table to table. I'm like, all right, I understand I you're trying to grab my attention, dumb but shit like that. When I started, I would yeah. stand on top <laughs> of the stool or just <laughs> yell meaningless things or just anything to do something that'll stop everybody from being so complacent. And then right, right, and I'm like, hey, yeah. and then I have nothing to say. I'm like, ah, look at me, or. Yeah, but <laughs> but grabbing people's attention's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's just and then grabbing their attention, then having something to back it up with is harder. So like you know, but that stuff like that, going through things like that, kind of help. I mean, help me learn. Yeah, I think that's oh, what yeah. that guy did today when he went up with that. Exactly. Like, Whoa, hey everybody, this sucks. Now me. Right, right. And, uh, and then he was just like, 
not he's real new yeah but, exactly you know, it's like it's that new comic confidence that oh they haven't seen my shit yet yeah they haven't they just haven't seen me yet that's why this uh, room isn't cooking and i was like that's well it, the other thing is that we're, we're co-workers in a sense yeah. you know what i'm saying i mean I, i'm gonna see you at other open mics i'm gonna see you on the scene so like what i don't want to be a dick to my co-workers yeah they don't know that yet I, I, exactly <laughs> that, I, well, I don't i don't i mean i don't think a lot of people like even when you start you know this necessarily look at it as a job you're just like it's kind of like you know a party you know everyone's over you think everyone's just here to hang out and have fun and, and just laugh and that is true but it's like an internship that can potentially last forever yeah <laughs> an everlasting internship yeah that's a great way to put it yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i was i that was 2016 actually that show was 2016 not 17 because i remember it was a lot of my anxiety was about the prospect of trump winning in 2016 mm-hmm. and then feeling like the world was closing in and going like, well, there aren't going to be any more gay bars if Trump wins and he puts all these assholes mm-hmm. on the Supreme Court. And I'm like, right, fuck, right. I'm going to lose my rights. And you're up there going, ha, 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 fucker, die of AIDS. I was, right. <laughs> that's how I was feeling. I understand. And then also my relationship was falling apart. And uh, I found an excuse to vent some anger. And I was being highly moralistic about somebody who was just telling jokes. And uh, I should give people the leeway to say whatever they want on stage and not – agree with my politics because it isn't you're not up there to disseminate a message you're just trying to reach people on that right right but also too i mean as far as like being i don't i don't really want to say shit that's derogatory if i said something that like you as a gay man found deeply offensive i would want you to tell me so i could change that from my act i don't i don't want to make people feel uncomfortable or feel unwanted because that's detrimental to what i want to do yeah you know what i'm saying and you know, if they're my, my thing is like, I realize this, I want everybody to have a good time. I'm not people aren't here to see my act at this stage of my career. I'm, I'm, I'm basically an entertainer. They're not they don't give a shit about my jokes. They didn't come there to see me. So my job is make them have a good time. And if I'm up there saying evil, mean shit, I don't I don't want that. You know what I'm saying? And and even when I first started out, like I said some some dark jokes, some shit that was sideways. And I realized, oh, people hate that. They don't want to oh. hear dark depressing like shit that i thought was clever because like you know I, I wanted to be like anthony jeselnik you know what i'm saying yeah so some, some of them you, um oh drew used to have like a pet uh project of fake patrick Heaty jokes yeah he told me about that yeah the one about, uh, he's like uh, what, what, what what if, if god raped 9-11 yeah, or what something? if god raped 9-11 <laughs> i'm yeah. patrick Heaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he let me he let me know that and that but I, again though i mean that's I, I, it's good to have your shit thrown in your face so you can kind of grow from it. Cause like, it's not like I was being successful at that stage in my comedy career. I was like a year and a half, two years in, I wasn't getting booked. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Cause I wasn't being funny consistently. You know what I'm saying? You so, didn't have the, hadn't lost the weight and grown the mustache. No, no, and not, started none working of out. And... <laughs> none of that shit. Just being fat yeah. and an asshole. I think you had the, the cool car though. Yeah, I've always had the car. The car I've had since uh, but junior college. Not the college. Hawaiian shirts. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> that kind. Of, I just, I when I lost the weight, I couldn't fit in my fat clothes anymore. Mm. So I just bought one Hawaiian shirt, and I went on a date, and it went real well. I'm like, oh, I like these. So I'm just gonna lean into this. So I got some nice yeah. ones, and I got the one I'm wearing now. I got from a Goodwill. Nice, nice like wearing. I got my shirt from a Goodwill too. Hey, Goodwill's my, kick my ass. little cowboy shirt. I like the cowboy I, shirt. Cowboy oh. kicks ass. Looks good. I'm a cowboy. <laughs> I'm a cowboy, baby. There's some Kid Rock on the Healing Club. Kisses. <laughs> Kisses always makes herself um, known on the podcast. I understand. Yeah. She's a magnetic force. 
She's a cute little baby. I don't know. Do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? I do. I got uh, three little chihuahuas at the house. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't wh- expect you to have chihuahuas. Well, I love my parents. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it? I mean, I enjoy them. One of them's name's Tony. I call him Tony Uno. So he's got one ball that's visible. Because they're kind of stacked on top of each other. Yeah. And we were like, okay, we, we were going to get him fixed, but they want to put him under and all that shit. Like, you know what? We'll just let him oh. keep his balls. Let me tell you something about Tony, though. Biggest dick on an animal I've ever seen. Proportional, proportional to his body. Proportional to his body. He's yeah. like seven pounds. Massive. That, that's why I don't like uh, boy dogs. I don't like really? seeing their dicks. <laughs> Get out of here. Trying to assert your dominance. Come on. Get out of here with your little dick, Chihuahua. <laughs> hey, man. His touched his chest. I'm, I was very... It was a, it was kind of a shock when I first saw it because I kind of walked into a room and I just heard like heavy breathing and panting. I, I thought he was choking on something. And no, he just had this little stuffed animal in the corner and he was just giving it the business. Yeah. And even he was shocked when I turned the light on. I don't think he knew how big it was. I think, I think um, I've also, I think I've been insecure around you because I just see you getting a lot more shows than me, like in places where people are like, oh, we can't have Bob on. He's going to be gay or controversial or he's gonna say <laughs> stuff that's gonna be divisive and half the crowd's gonna hate him and i could see that but uh, especially outside the loop they're gonna they're all gonna look at me like i'm a fucking asshole trying to provoke them but i'm not i just i i think it's just i don't know if it's my com i don't know if any other like drew seems to do a little better than me mm-hmm. on the like outer edge of the i don't know conroe shows or whatever. right, right or right. actually yeah jesse Saldana told me he didn't want to have me on the conroe show because you know drew was on once and did so badly and maybe it's not just that i'm gay it's just that drew's one of my best friends and i do jokes that are just as divisive as his right and um well drew also he's kind of he takes pleasure i i mean like he Drew's such a little force, and he just won't give a fuck. And he just, he'll just do any. I, I love Drew. Drew's hilarious. But like, if if they're not fuck with him, he's not gonna diverge or turn. He's gonna, I'm gonna lean into this. And that's one of yeah. the things I love about Drew. He doesn't care if they're not laughing. Exactly. As long as he's being funny, he knows he's being funny. Yeah, he'll be silent for five minutes until yeah. he gets. It's it's hilarious. I like being that way, but then I cave and I just do stuff to be likable or the stuff that I think is like, oh, here's my approachable approachable material. It. Mm-hmm usually involves some act of gay sex which is not that approachable to audiences in uh some of those uh red red zone areas i kind of get what you're saying i i i think there's a way to get them on your side I, honestly bob you're a likable guy i mean i really i mean I, I you're a sweetheart you're one of the nicest guys i met in comedy i mean like you know what i'm saying it, it, you've been nothing but pretty gracious to me and paul i think there's a way to get them to relate to your material. I, I, again, I don't know what it is. I can't write. I, I mean, I can't write in your voice, but I understand why you would think that. I mean, they're not as I've had some problems when I don't, I've, I've changed my material over time. because I realized, you know, some stuff doesn't travel outside the loop or doesn't travel period. Like I, it's, I kind of stopped doing more darker jokes because I, I did some out of town gigs. I'm like, Oh, you know, it doesn't travel. Well, mm. doesn't, they just want to hear about, you know, having a good time, sex yeah. usually, you know, my misgivings about me, you know, usually, usually punching on me or I, right. I got jokes about football shit that I, it's like, I'm admittedly, I got a very bro set. I know my voice is very dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, but there are times like, you know, I'll try like, you know, I like to do my, my Pat the Rat joke. Pat know? the Rat. How's that go? It's, it's a joke about uh, sharing needles with a rat. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's silly, but I, no? it's, 
it's a passion project of mine and I, I don't i know if i go to pinehurst texas they don't want to hear that they want to oh. hear you know stories about you know yeah. me hooking up with somebody or something going awry yeah you know Drug jokes don't go well in those. Well, they don't give a shit about ketamine, but if you talk about drinking or weed, you might be able to get them on your side. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Drinking. Drinking. Drinking, having a good time. No. Fuck it. And, and also, too, like I, I do use crowd work pretty heavily in that situation. If I if, if I think they're not fucking up my material, I, I will abandon that. I yeah. will fucking throw that playbook out, and I'll start talking to people because I want to do everything I can to do good, whatever metric that is. Uh-huh. I'm hoping that the the podcast will loosen me up so that I'm a little sharper and better at crowd work. Right, right. Talking on my feet, handling. Uh, like, just sometimes, just during the podcast, I'll feel that daunting, awful, horrible weight of 30 more minutes left. Right. God damn it. <laughs> Somebody texting me. You're a popular guy, Bob. Oh, okay. Fuck you. I don't know, man. I, th- I mean, I do you. You don't. I mean, I don't think I've really seen you do a whole lot of crowd work before, my man. Um, is that something? I mean, I know some people look down on it. No, but I think it's. I, I, I even try to use it as a way to, as like a transitions for some of my other jokes. I like to keep it fresh that way, or maybe I, if I can. I struggle with it, and uh, sometimes I have a couple of things that are like written crowd work mm-hmm. jokes. For instance, one if. Uh, I see somebody who's in the audience who's not quite on my side but still listening or seems like to be a little bit aggressively bro-ish. I'll be like, you know, if you were uh, if you were gay, I'd go for you. Right, right, right. That's but, but if uh, but if I were a woman, I would uh, try to find somebody else. See, that's funny. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I like that. But that, sometimes that comes off as like, well, fuck that guy. Right, <laughs> right, right. But that's that's funny though. I mean, I yeah. I, I don't know. I. I get what you mean. Some some dudes do get real insecure about just like even talking about you know gay stuff. I'm like, well, what what's what's the problem here, man? There is no, it's 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 more of a, a reflection of their own insecurities. I feel you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I like even like if I if I'm too aggressive on stage, like I turn people off. I I could see that in there, and I get it. So I have to find like a happy yeah. medium where I have to operate in. The do- the joke doesn't get funnier just because you say it louder. Exactly. Right. Or angrier (laughs) anger doesn't win the joke (laughs) it may win the fight right not the not the comedy contest and i I like yeah yeah i i I do use anger a lot it's kind of my main like fuel source because like you know when i'm ranting sometimes i can say something funny but that's not always replicatable you know what i'm saying and a lot of times if i'm bombing and then i get angry and i start going off on somebody then i look weak yeah and then you you universally say some like kind of like meanish things just in jest there you roast people online or with your landlord persona of uh right yeah yeah the, the, that's the, a fake exactly personality. yeah yeah that's it's kind of like a pro wrestling heel because i'm a big pro wrestling fan so that's that's what i did with that and then i, I was i basically so I, at the time you know i was it was like in 2019 and 20 i was getting booked a lot more i'm like oh i'm getting all these shows and i, I want to promote them but i didn't want to say oh hey i got a show tonight come out so i was like oh yeah. I'll just turn my Instagram into a character. Okay. So then I, I started doing the landlord thing, and I thought it was – I think uh, Lindsay Easterwood came up to me and said, you look like a landlord. Because oh. <laughs> I had the chain and the, and the, and the Hawaiian shirts. Like a slumlord. Yeah, slum and I just – I thought that was hilarious. dad owns the building, but exactly. now you, yeah, you're just, the one enforcing – I'm me. just harassing tenants. <laughs> I don't own anything. <laughs> I'm just being a prick. So, yeah, when I – 
when I did that, I just kind of thought it'd be funny to be a dickish landlord whenever I promo shows. I'd be like, yeah, blah, 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 rent's due. Be there, otherwise you're going to get evicted. You know, just some silly shit. Because I thought, basically it was a way just to entertain me, and I thought it would entertain others. It wasn't always that way. Not everybody found it. A lot of people were like, are you a fucking landlord? What are you? No. I thought you were. I really thought. <laughs> a lot of people told me they thought I was. And I was like, hey, man, I just, I just commit to the bit. Because I didn't do it off of Instagram. I just did it solely on Instagram, which I thought, Made, like I said, it, I looked at it as all right. I, I'm a pro wrestler. I'm gonna. I get in the ring. This is what I do. Rents do. Blah blah blah. I don't. I don't do it you anymore. Have a catchphrase. Yeah, exactly. You got a little one. catchphrase, and you, you can. You know, and I, and I would incorporate other things like uh like your landlord and savior. I had a couple other things I would say that were goofy, mm-hmm. and I ended, I, I stopped doing it a couple months ago because I got kind of tired of it. And like it's after a year of it, I was like, I don't want to be pigeonholing this, so I'll just take that same kind of a uh, wrestling promo style. And I'll just put it in in my words. And I just yeah. won't say rents do anymore. I'll just talk shit and like I so normally you, would. You were talking shit about the riot or whatever on your Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's kind of mean to say about Harris, but I don't know. I'm like, whatever. It's just coming from your Instagram personality. Right, right, right. I understand it's what you're what saying. It's the kind of thing you would say at a roast. It's yeah. not like you personally fucking hate Harris Sayani. No, um, no, no, like, no. Harris is fine. Harris, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, I, I, and I, I thought it. I just thought it was be funny. It's like, and I was like, because like you know when you promo or you know promo for shows, whatever. Sometimes it gets monotonous. I was like, all right, I'm gonna make this fun for me. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I, I get. Yeah. Have you been on roasts? I did one. I did the Comedy Hub roast yeah. that was held. The roast battle thing. Yeah. Where was that at? at it was at Secret Group and Rec Room. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was fun. It was fun. It was a good opportunity to try to write new stuff. And it was it was a challenge. You know what I'm saying? It was it was kind of weird. It was a completely different writing style. And then I got kind of like really into how like people I, – I watched all the Comedy Central roasts. Kind of got like some inspiration. But that's kind of weird because they're real mean on that. Uh-huh. They fucking dig deep. And I found – at a couple of the shows, they weren't necessarily there. Like, if you you could be too much because they weren't necessarily accustomed to roast, or they may not have been there. It, it was much easier to appear dickish as opposed to being funny, saying something mean. Does yeah. that make sense? It, I I did a show that was called "You Look Like," right? Where I was up against Lando Shepard. I know he is. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's really funny, and I was. Kind of uh, punching above my weight there. Right. <laughs> but uh, I had Radu help me, Radu Bondar and right. I. Radu was also on the show. We did a bunch of shows in Austin together, and, and and we wrote lots of roast jokes together, and he wrote more than I did. And uh, yeah. I said a bunch of things, but that was when we were just going back and forth. Everything had to start with you look like. Right, right. Um, every line had to begin with uh, – you look like a Hawaiian shirt factory exploded or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, it, the, 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 it was surface level humor. But that only. Ha- that's usually so, what hits on those though. Yeah. That's what hits. And then he made jokes about me looking like I'm poor and old. Right. And, um, and then I made jokes about him being fat. And, right. Um, cause you know, he's a bigger gentleman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, but he's been losing weight. He's Good he's trying. He's, oh, yeah. On the journey. But uh, I I felt really really uh, uncomfortable doing those types of shows. But it was a that one was fun. Mm-hmm. That that you look like show was fun. And I've been on a few other roasts that just felt awful for me because I would 
try to analyze the other people on the dais. I would like study all their jokes and then I'd make fun of their jokes and, uh, well, yeah. the audience hasn't heard them. Yeah, I and forget then, that. Yeah, if, and you're talking about yeah. something they have no reference to. Yeah, and I'm know? talking about people who are just like open mic comics in Houston. Right, they're, right. They're not on TV, and nobody cares what they're... Exactly, so, exactly. Because it's even like there's no public knowledge about us, so yeah. when the audience sees us, it's a complete blank slate. Yeah. So you have to do more... Sur- I, there's a creative way to do the, the surface-level material needed. I mean, uh, Victor Tran was really good at it. He, he had a... He had a great run. I think he won the uh, the riot roast too. I think he won both of them. Yeah, Victor's great at that. Yeah. That's it where he's at his best is tearing people down. Yeah, it's, it was hilarious. But I, I I tried. I mean, I get what you mean. I tried to go a little bit like dig into people like like wh- whether the origin is, and it just came off as clunky. I think uh, I I had to roast my Buzetti, and she beat me, and she had this great joke. It was something about me looking like uh I'm like the poster child for domestic violence or something like that, or it was some something about me beating women, and it, it murdered. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I, I, like, I hosted this the uh, ro- roast of um uh, Nathaniel um, Amador uh, Potts. Oh Potts, I remember, remember him. him. I remember him. Yeah, he moved to St. Louis, correct? Yeah, or Kentucky. And, and uh, yeah, before he moved. And I was the host of it. And what I liked was being a target for other people's jokes. Mm-hmm. I think I was I served that in that capacity. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. where I was at my best. Where people I, I don't care if people make fun of me and I can handle it and I like the way that people cleverly come up with ways to uh God, what did Nick Merriweather one time um had a joke about how I'm a lot like Roosevelt F D R because um uh, he had three examples, but the third one was about my, my ex, Greg Deal, and it was just after that breakup. Mm-hmm. Something about how I'm always trying to find a new deal. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that was a perfect one. Yeah. Was that was that a uh, was that at Rudyard's that roast? Was it Boondocks? Was that Boondocks? Okay. Was it? Was it I mean, I, I don't. That was kind of. I didn't hit enough mics my first two years. I was kind of like no. out of the. I don't scene. think I saw you that much at Boondocks when I was the host there. No, no, I, I, I had. It was one of those things where I couldn't get there during sign up, and I was like, well, if I, I can't get there, then I'm not going to sit there. I'm all probably night. not going to bump you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but now I have a different mentality about it, and I, it's. I don't like thinking that just because I got there late, I won't go up anymore. I mean, I got a day job, but at the same time, I look at this as my night job. So if I go and I don't go up, then I just wasted a, you know, a tank of gas. Yeah. You know? Sometimes I go and I'm like, I'd rather not go I understand. up. But I like just hanging out. I, like, I get that. The other day at Liberty Station, I was like, there's no point in even yeah. doing this. But I had fun hanging out with the people on yeah. the patio and talking. It was to- a good time. I met some cool uh, – there, there was some uh, – Chicago comics who rolled through who were really good. One of them was Donovan. The other thing was Nat. They were really nice people. It was oh. cool to talk to them. They had funny stuff too. Was, on Sunday? I, yeah, Sunday. They, they went up early. Yeah. And uh, I, I do enjoy, that's one of the good things about the pandemic is that we're kind of getting a cool little influx of people from out of town. Like, have you met a, like, there's a guy, the guy, Harry, I can't say, it's like Harry Cassell, I think, but I met him. He's a sweetheart. He's a, he's a Boston comic. I met him at Phil and Derek's. He was hosting the El Plubito yesterday. Great guy. Real funny. Uh, you know, Leah, Leah Sampson's here. I, I think she, she was in New York for a little yeah, while. I think but she her family's from here, so right, right, right. And, and she, I mean, like, there's a kind of a really cool amalgamation of comics here right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, there really is like a really str- there's not like a whole lot of, like AAA headliners, but there's a lot of really intriguing, interesting, like you know, 
headliners like like guys like Zod Devji, you know, yeah. hilarious. There's guys like Trey Tutson out there fucking killing it. Grady Pruitt, Victor Tran, I can go on and on. Jeff Joe. Jeff Joe just got on that uh, Russell Peters thing. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. a lot of really badass talent here that hasn't been fully realized yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, they haven't written their best jokes yet. I miss some of the people who stopped doing stand-up at the top of the pandemic and I haven't seen since March of last year. Like, Beth Ann or Beth Alder. Or right. Beth. I, I, she changes her last name. So yeah. I think it's Beth Alder now. I but so. uh, um, Julia Serrano and Josh Stokes. Yeah, I was going to say Henry Price. I haven't seen him. Yeah, either. they do their podcast together, the history yeah. podcast. They're hilarious. I love Henry and Josh. They're both great, man. They're they're and they're both fucking great writers. Yeah, and I, I one time I saw Henry Price juggle. He's yeah, amazing yeah. at juggling. Yeah. Did you, he did he wear the uh, the hot dog costume or was he just juggling straight up? He was just juggling at some. Was show. it was it the Roxy Talent Show or something? I remember he he did something. It was on the hers. Sugar Town Show that Angel Trevino oh, yeah, yeah, and Ryan yeah. McGee used to put together. Was that, that was Station like a Variety theme? Show? It was at Secret Group. In was the that box. Secret? Okay. Yeah. I miss the box. I miss all the. I love the box. Yeah. I think that's the coolest part. That's Micah the coolest. Green room. and Radu Bandar. Never oh. see them anymore either. I saw uh, I saw Radu at uh, Axelrad couple weeks ago oh he yeah stop by i oh. think i saw beth there as well really because yeah mm-hmm. I, I mean that's a pretty safe environment they, they mask up it's outside you know yeah it's pretty cool hmm. i think i yeah i think uh zod and alan adams were there monday alan, alan adams too he's a fucking murderer i love alan adams yeah he's he, he's so good at like his everything is so succinct and everything's got a, a great punch to it it's really good joke writing he's pretty yeah. smart and pretty like i've seen him I, I've seen everybody bomb sure, sure. in town. I think the only time I see Alan Adams bomb is when he gets kind of annoyed with the audience or yeah. angry that they're not recognizing how brilliant some joke was. Or right, right. You see him at Rudyard's often week after week trying out a joke that just didn't work. Something about uh, his uh, getting rid of a vacuum cleaner because it's lost his suction or something. Just okay. like my wife <laughs> lost her suction. And <laughs> That's pretty silly, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I maybe just because I'm gay and I don't understand how suction works. I mean, I don't women. I mean, I, <laughs> like, but uh, I'm not gay and I don't really understand what he was going did for. Did he want when, his wife to rip his dick off? Yeah, like yeah just one of those suck it vacuum off. Shop vac that motherfucker, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hoover that motherfucker right off. You know, I the most. I did a show in Pinehurst, Texas, last year in January, uh, and it he was on the bill. It was a. Uh, it was me, Tim Williams, Jesse Saldana, uh, AJ. Um, she just got married. I don't know her last name right now. Oh. But and then uh, Alan Adams was there and MC Lotto. And then I was talking to him because they're kind of a rowdy crowd. And I was thinking, shit, I'm not gonna be able to do material. I'm gonna fucking have to crowd work my way out of this. Mm-hmm. And he went up there and did his material, and he was fucking murdering. He's supposed to do 15 minutes, and they get, he gave him 25 and just fucking slaughtered. The whole, I was, I was in awe. I mean, it was really cool to see how, like, calm and collected he was and how he attacked the situation. Like, he didn't do any crowd work. He just fucking went right into his act. And he, he handled just bang, bang, bang. silence. He handled yeah, silence yeah. really well. And It was very impressive. I was very impressed. And that was that made me kind of do some introspection and be like, man, if you really got – you can write your way out of those situations, but you need to be prepared. You know what I'm saying? He seems like a guy who dedicates – I've seen George Brito have good sets – in well, so situations like that where everybody else is being loud and rowdy, but George Brito goes up and through the power of him just being collected and imperturbable, mm-hmm. does his material and it works better than the 
Well, there is something to be like if everybody's... Be, it's like being the substitute teacher. You don't yell over them. That doesn't get their attention. But if you start speaking softly and, uh -huh. and d deliberately, pe one, little by little, you start chipping away at that rowdiness and they start getting on your side. You know? Yeah. I've seen... And that's... I mean, that's... Uh, George is a killer, too. He's got great jokes. I mean, he's not going to go out there and start jumping up and down and screaming. He's just going to sit in the pocket and do his material. And they're going to be with you, you know? Or, you know, or not. This does but. feel like sports. All I, of it feels like sports. Yeah, I, I equate it a lot to sports because I like sports, and that's a way for me to conceptualize comedy because comedy is very nebulous and it's very ill-defined. There's no set path. So I look at it as, okay, well, how do you get good at sports? you got to practice. you got to practice. you got to prepare. you got to get your mind right. All that, all that goofy shit my coaches would tell me. You know what I'm saying? I apply that to this. And it's helped me a lot because, like you know, it's 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 a game. You know, if where's some top lessons from coaches? Top lessons from coaches. Getting get, well, like before we would play a football game, and they say, "All right, you gotta get your mind right. You gotta get your mind right." And that's kind of like a generic phrase. I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. I'm just waiting to hit somebody. But the the sit there and conceptualize, you know, the, whether it's plays you need to remember or just getting in the the frame of mind to not freak out if something goes wrong because you know the plan and even if it deviates you can still sit in the pocket and execute that plan to the best of your ability i would say that and then like in off season you know there are days you don't want to off season is all about getting stronger and faster and bigger for next year and that's a grind because you know even being 16 you don't want to fucking work out in the middle of the day but you realize all that little stuff all that little things you do like off the field all feeds into you being on the field. So like all the little things you do off stage feed into what you do on stage, whether it's writing or just being in a good uh, headspace or taking care of yourself. I, like, I don't like to eat before I go on stage. Mm. I, I like to kind of be on an empty stomach. So I make sure I plan my day where I, I try not to be uh, drunk. No, I think that's solid too. That's solid too. <laughs> but, I mean, like, cause it's, there are times like, you know, we'll do like uh, the midnight express show after Phil and you're having a good time hanging out with your buddies Maybe you have a few too many, but then I realized I, I, uh, you know, I fumbled the reason why I came, and that was yeah. to try to work on at least one new joke or whatever. Speaking of Guava Lamp, one time I went up there, and they used to serve the strongest they did. drinks. They did. He was a heavy and I, pour. And I, I went up and I had a. I was during a blackout. I went up and did stand up. Ooh. And I, here I did pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you record all your sets, Bob? I try to, but I never listen back. I I uh, am bad about listening to them. Yeah, it it sucks. But I I try. I do record and listen to them all, even the the bad ones. And it's good to have the good ones. It's like you know, there are times I get on a shit streak where I don't get any laughs like in two weeks. I'm like, was I ever funny? And then like you know, at least I have audio recording. At one point, at one point in time, I was funny to somebody. That's how I feel about everything I draw right now. I'm like, it sucks. I, I'm making – I draw every day. I draw like mm -hmm. maybe 15 to 20 drawings. Uh, or I make – I have, keep a book around with me to draw in, and then I draw in a bigger notepad right. with the uh, pastel uh, – like chalk pastels. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the me I'm, I'm, uh, nubs. And right, then right, I, right. <laughs> then I, I – I write in another book that I sometimes doodle in. I write in this book every day, and I right. doodle in that. But my my attempts at make like making something great. I'm not trying to make something great every mm -hmm. time I draw something. I'm approaching that like it's an open mic where right. maybe something great will happen. But I'm gonna try my best. Yeah, and 
I get on cold streaks too for sure on the, on the dry and I'm like what why do I have to change what am I doing wrong why why yeah. my uh... but that that's the thing though I mean the cold streaks really help you uh you know break down what you're doing and it really makes you kind of still like what why am I not why am I sucking why am I sucking at everything right now but you can't stop stopping would be defeat be failure you you have to kind of push through that and I and I think those those shit streaks those cold streaks are just as important as those those hot streaks because you don't really learn how to deconstruct yourself or deconstruct what you're thinking unless you have repeated failure. You know what I'm saying? I, I would say from like January to like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I felt like I was on a real shit streak as far as comedy goes. I felt like uh, the new stuff I was writing was bland. I hated my old stuff. and But I, I, just, I just kept... You know, if, if you're in, that's that Winston Churchill saying, like, if you find yourself in hell, the only way to move is forward, you uh, know, and I, I want to do this. I would never dream of stopping. So I, I will eat uh, this shit. I will eat my vegetables. Yeah. And it will lead, hopefully, into a, a promised land of new material or me falling in love with my act, you know. Sure would be bad to find yourself in a permanent cold streak just mired in. Like you, I used to be something, but now I go around and everybody's like, "Oh, you're yeah, this guy." Like, I can yeah. see the difference in their eyes when they used to respect me, and <laughs> I see the way that I, I think it's not even. It's like people get so used to each other yeah. here, and they don't want to. It's like whatever first impression you have, they don't want to break it. They just look at you like, "Oh, you're, you're that asshole." Whatever, and I, and I think I've, I've made that first impression on a few people in town. They look at me like, "Oh, you're this that asshole." And you know, I I get that, and I, and it's hard to dig out of that first impression. I don't think anybody ever thinks, "Oh, that dumb guy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't ever want to be, "Oh, that dumb guy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... At least I think you're intelligent. That's good. Yeah. You seem learned. I think I think sometimes uh, I I'll either be really really well liked or the worst on the show, and that's mm-hmm. why I am a liability on some shows and why I don't get asked to do everything and i i one time i on the laugh towns at saint dane's bar that's my i remember Stephen padilla used to run it right yeah over. yeah the uh they used to do a contest every year it was the laugh yeah laugh, laugh town's, town's funniest. funniest in 2013 within one year of starting comedy i made it to the semifinals mm-hmm. of uh, laugh town which was a really big deal for me. Right, right. Because the first round was really fun, and I killed harder than I had when I was used to. I was right, right. I was really good by my standards, and it was the first getting familiar with those just roaring laughs. Like yeah, yeah. you get like big laughs, little big, tepid, big like hey, hey, I'm, I'm oh I see you made a joke. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll yeah. be polite and go, hey. but. Feeling those roaring laughs. That's what gets you addicted to comedy. Agreed, agreed. And then uh, I, I was so high from that experience that I went to the semifinals with too much confidence. And I placed 15th out of 15. <laughs> you burned too bright. That's all. But it, I, you were in the uh, finalist for Funniest Comic in Houston on that on that uh, oh, secret competition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I won the... Uh, Beta bracket, which was another contest that used to exist. Oh, cool, cool, cool. In 2013, it was like a five round head to head match. It would be audience, everybody in the audience would get ballots, mm-hmm. and there would be head to head matchups. It was five rounds of head to head matchups. The first two rounds were five minute matchups, second, 
third and fourth rounds were 10 minute matchups right and then the fifth round was uh, t- like three when it was down to three people it's three people doing 20 minutes right and it was me ashton womack and brian ziola and i managed to win that going first wow and must left quite an impression <laughs> it was and i was i and then i had the worst year of comedy really right after winning that i thought i was hot shit and mm. i thought i was great and my relationship collapsed and right. i lost my job and i just kept getting kicked <laughs> while you were down <laughs> and then i uh I just had this thing to cling to of like, you won a thousand dollars in a contest once. So you're, <laughs> you're kind of funny, but it was, nobody liked me. I was right. being uh, just harsh and abrasive, kind of moralistic. Like when I was yelling at you, fuck you, bitch. I hate your comedy, Patrick Eady. Fuck you. You're the worst, worst person I've ever seen in my life in five years. I think that was all recorded of me right, yeah, yeah, yeah. screaming in that voice. No, your, your face was also, you really sold it. There was some serious <laughs> righteous indignation yeah. in that in that expression. But, I was... but that, that kind of kept me from um, getting on shows, was uh, yeah. a- acting like that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, that is something I learned. I mean, like there are times I felt like I was hot shit, like I was something, but I was humbled very quickly, and I, and I needed that. I needed to be humbled. I needed to be, you know, hey, you're actually not shit, my man. You're you're just another fucking open micer right now. You're nobody till you're somebody or whatever the fuck that saying is. And you're nobody till somebody loves you. Okay. Well, that's, at least somebody loves me. I like that. That's good then. Um, but or, I I must I, I I don't know, man. I, I it's funny you say that cuz like I I can get it it's whatever little thing like me we me and Will Lowe had a good conversation. Because I was like, even like, you know, in last year, I was just getting frustrated with everything. And I guess maybe I felt like in, in 2019, that 2020, I'm like, oh man, I feel like I'm on to something. I feel like something big's going to happen. And of course, pandemic happened. I just got bitter, as I'm sure a lot of people did. And I started getting shitty. I was like, oh, this guy's got a show. That guy's got a show. Fuck them. I'm funnier than they are. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, man, why, why are we having this stupid crabs in the bucket mentality? Like just because that guy has it doesn't mean you should have it, or you should you shouldn't be mad just because somebody else, you know, gets any any sort of little accolade or club gig, they earn that. You know what I'm saying? I that, never want to watch somebody funny say something funny and then go, "I hate you." Yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. laugh with people. I want to have that sense that exactly it's still we're still here to have fun. And and, and that's the thing, too. It, this is only bearable is if you have fun. It's not bearable if you're miserable all the fucking time. It's not because it's hard. We all do something that's hard. And there's kind of like a fraternity in that. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a mutual level of respect of somebody else who goes on stage and faces the same adversity that you do. There's a mutual amount of respect of like the, the trials and tribulations of having to write and having to meet the right people and being passed or all that stuff. It, having it, your ego destroyed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone. So You know, I remember... Uh, I don't know what the context was, but Josh Stokes said this. Somebody was was kind of happy that somebody was eating shit on stage, and Josh says, "Hey, man, that could be any one of us. Yeah. That could be you. That actually that might that will be you probably because like you know you're gonna bomb. You're never gonna stop bombing. Because the other thing, I, I feel like your definition of bombing changes with how you grow as well. You know what I'm saying? I like if you were on a show and you did what you thought your best material, but it just kind of like didn't you didn't get any of those big roaring laughs." You probably feel like I feel like I kind of bombed. Like I feel like I, I held, I did okay, but I don't feel like I really succeeded. I get pissed off if somebody was like, "Well, that was really funny." I'm like, "No, it wasn't." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Liar. It seems condescending when they don't laugh. Like, "Oh, that was funny." Like, why didn't you yeah. fucking laugh? I liked yeah. it. 
Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's kind of a backhanded compliment. No, I everybody falls into. Uh, oh, maybe I shouldn't say it. I I remember once. You think it, watching Josh Stokes, me and Zod were watching Josh Stokes, and we did this horrible thing where we started counting the number of times Josh would say the N word because that's what he would do when he was not doing well. Was just yeah, say the N word a lot, right? As an expletive or as a returning mantra, and he has a right to do that, right? I don't, right? I was counting the number; it was like forty-seven times in ten <laughs> minutes. He said the N word during his set. And the set went pretty well, but there were it wasn't like that was his usual set where right. he would always say the N word forty seven times. Right. But it was mean to do that. It was mean to count the number of times that he said the N word. I mean, you know And then he got real mad at me when I was like, You when I told him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get that because like I guess it seems like he was frustrated with his set, and then when somebody says, "Oh, hey, did you know you did this forty-seven times?" Like, well, what the Whoa. fuck? Fuck you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was- well, there was a time when somebody was uh, having a big show at Secret Group, and it was a big, big show, and they they put themselves the headline, and they, they were kind of like they were around, but they may have not have like had, I know who you're talking yeah, about, headlining. yeah, headlining, and then Drew. You know, hallway, like he put these little marks on his hand. And he showed me the marks. I'm like, what are those? Like, that was every time he got a laugh in 45 minutes. And it was like 30 little marks. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. So it, it's kind of like a weird, how do you say it? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, is that how you say it? I you're, so, you're, you, seem, yeah. you read more books than I do. <laughs> but it's just taking pleasure in other people's pain. And it's, it's kind of like a weird perversion of comedy. It's like when you get numb to comedy, like you find other sick things to kind of pleasure yourself with. Sometimes it's just the pain of others. Well, I love uh, used to stand in the back at Rudyard's, hanging out with Owen Dunn. Just mm-hmm. that was my main pleasure of watching people go up was just seeing how bad people would do. Right, right. And giggling about you know why the audience didn't like them or what just happened or if I always thought it was funny if um, somebody would finish a punchline and instead of getting laughs you would just hear a chair move. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody's. Yeah. Oh, like... I listened for it. Instead yeah. of laughing, I'm getting up and leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've done, I've done the same. I've done the same thing. I think, I think most comics have. But even, I guess now I'm trying to not do that as much because I don't want to. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna have a set where I don't get laughs, and you're just gonna hear fucking drinks clanking and and like you know chairs moving. So I'm. That's one thing I am thankful for about comedy is I've learned to be much more empathetic as a person. You know, because I didn't understand. You know, I, being empathetic, it helps you connect to an audience, but also understand, like, hey, they're they're doing th- the same shit that I am. And bombing doesn't feel good for fucking anybody. That's bombing is its own punishment, you know. And and then unless you you break some club rule or say something completely outrageous and offensive, you don't you don't really need someone to add on to that. No. You know. Yeah. I, granted, like I said before earlier, like you know if. If I were to say something that somebody found wildly offensive and awful, I would want to be notified so I don't repeat that ever again. That's not what I want to be about, you know. Of course not. And I think keeping that anger under control is something that I have learned from comedy too. Agreed. I agree with Although that. Although it has put me in situations where I have been irrationally angry over nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been there, my man. I've been, well, a lot of that, like I said before, is just like kind of – it's like being on social media and you see like, oh, why did that guy get booked for that show? Like, I'm, I'm fucking fine. It's some dumb, yeah. weird, uh, you know, thing you get in your mind where you, you think that person doesn't yeah. deserve that because you're, you're here. 
What was that crabs in the same bucket? Crabs metaphor? in the bucket. Crabs in the bucket. Where, where the crabs, how, how does they, that work? They, they basically, it doesn't matter if a crab tries to reach out, they pull them back down because they say, yeah, I can't get out. You can't get out. Fuck you. That's oh. with a crab in the bucket. And we're, and we're not crabs in the bucket. We're in an ocean. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's room for all of us to swim, grow, move, leave. Exactly. You, you get, get nice, fat, and happy. We're not going into a goddamn steaming pot, at least not yet. Yeah. You know? And that, and I've tried to really approach things differently in that regard. Like I'm not, I don't really get mad when I see somebody getting booked for something that I'm not booked for. Cause I realize, like, look, I do want those bookings and I want that stage time, but at the same time, well, what am I here for? What's my goal? And it's to build an act and try to become the best comedian I could be. And that has nothing to do with any outside interference or any outside show. It has everything to do with what I do and the work that I put in. Have you ever begged somebody to put you on a show? Like, like made a big stink about it and being like, I deserve this. Fuck you. Put me on the show finally. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know me. And then you just go up there and eat shit. Has that I, ever happened? I've, I, I've asked, I haven't asked to be on a show like that. I've asked to bump and I've eaten shit before. Yeah, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. But I, a lot of times, see, like a lot of people who, who do run shows in town, I don't know them that well that I really feel comfortable to do that. And I feel like that'd be a great way to burn a bridge. Because I would, I mean, if I ran a show, and somebody I didn't know, or I didn't know how funny they were, or I haven't seen them do well, and they're like, hey, man, I, I deserve to be on your fucking show. I'm funny, this, this, and that, blah, 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 blah. And even if they come out and do well, I'm still going to have a bad taste in my mouth from that interaction. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It's a very entitled way to look at things. Some people take those... Uh... They just are looking for an excuse to not like you because right. there are so many comedians that you don't really matter. And if, you, if you're if you annoying, you piss me off, I don't care how funny you are everywhere else. This is my place. I don't need you on the show. Yeah, there are a million yourself. other people. Exactly. I don't exactly. care how funny you are. Uh, but it, but in thinking that, though, that, that should teach you how to be humble because like, like I am replaceable. You know what I'm saying? We're all – Cogs and a comedy will will keep going on long after I stop doing comedy. Hopefully, you know? right? Hopefully, but but that's something like I've come to terms with as well. It's like it, Houston comedy is not dependent on Patrick Eady getting on stage yeah. telling dick jokes, not at all. I it, used to get so scared when another gay comic would go up and like, <laughs> he's gay and this Jared McCorkle I saw him for the first time. He's a war veteran, gay. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Send it back. Stolen valor. <laughs> get off my show. I get that. I mean, I've fought back twinges of uh, insecurity when I see somebody I've never seen before and they come out and they're fucking murdering. It's like, oh, fuck, what the fuck is this guy? (laughs) You know, you start murdering, doing stuff that you do. Yeah, like I said, like, after him and you're like, (laughs) fuck, he had a joke about a witch with an STD. I'm fucked. (laughs) Yeah, no. What what were your jokes here? Dating a 20 year old. Yes. Living at home. Yes. We don't communicate well. That, that was a joke I tried yesterday that bombed. GF is liberal. Girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. I yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> Polyamory is favorite thing. Girl, girlfriend has ADHD. Can't trust women. Mom has no filter. Right. Yeah, it sounds like a guy who loses home. That's what that sounds like. That whole set list. <laughs> and then the last is don't cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that failed there. You know, you got to have a good, nice, masculine cry on the ride home, sitting in silence. And and like I said before, that's like I I do. The suffering brings us together, Bob. Oh. It does. It all it all brings us together. And it's 
I understand that the guy goes up for his first time, that fear. I've been there. I've not, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. But that was really cute tonight, that one guy. Oh, Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just he did his first time Sunday. And he because he, he was hanging out. He lives, uh, well, he kind of hangs out at my, my girlfriend's house. So my girlfriend has a friend, and he's over there sometimes. And we, we're so all you, hanging out. Did you inspire him to start stand Yeah, we talked to him, and he's yeah. like, I, I don't. I don't have anything to do right now. I'm, I'm unemployed. I, I just want to get out of the house. I'm like, well, you're unemployed looking for something to do. Come out and try comedy, buddy. And then Leah Sampson was so nice when she was hosting where he was like, I told one joke and I did one minute and that's all I thought of today. Yeah, so yeah. I have nothing left to say and I'm going to stop and get off now. And she's like, no, yeah, yeah. stay on there. What Hell happened? Yeah. What did you, what'd you do today? What, what happened five years ago? Yeah, I thought that was cool. She, she forced him to just say that's what you needed. another that's what, yeah. joke. And he did, and everybody well. cheered, and it was, I think, a probably great experience for him. Now that, that was, see, I, I've seen him. So he went up Sunday and yesterday. That was that was his best set. He did very well. Out I'm of very the proud two. of Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> one out of three, baby. <laughs> okay. Well, because like you know, it's. I remember Sunday he came to Liberty Station for the first time, and he was telling me how he's walking around his house, like you know, reciting what he's gonna say. I'm like, look, there's no way to prepare for what you're about to do other than doing it. You're jumping in the deep end of the pool. You know, the lights, the people, there's no way to prepare for that. I mean, you can get down what you want to say, but like, you know, and he even told me, like, you know, public speaking is not my forte. Public speaking is something I that, that you know, makes me uncomfortable. Like, well, you know, this is a great way to get over. It's a great way to grow, and it's a great way to kind of, like, get over some of your insecurities and kind of realize, hey, everybody feels the same feelings that I'm feeling. Yeah. You know? I, I feel, uh, when I started, since I've started doing stand-up, not that it's made me rich or not that it's taught it's it's given me a focus and a drive and i feel like i'm doing something with purpose passion and, man you yeah. need some passion and i i honestly say i think stand-up has made me a better person 100 percent because i you know i get to interact with people i wouldn't normally interact with i get to see how people react to things i i understand group dynamics better i understand kind of what people what the goal of a comedy show is Especially a, a comedy show where no one really knows any of the comedians, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, no one's here to see, you know, your act, you know, not yet, and you you be privileged and lucky to even get to that point. So you gotta connect with these people. You have to find a way to connect to these strangers with, you know, your dick jokes, whatever you get a roll with. My gay know. jokes. Hell, my gay jokes. My, my sex head. act. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we're at about time. This, you got something to plug? You got stuff to say? Oh, yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm on. God damn it, Thursday. Okay, at Avant Garden. Uh, Avant Garden, and then I'm doing the Riot uh, Saturday at Rudyard's. Okay. And then uh, March 5th, I'll be in College Station at Southern's, opening up for a, a little person wrestling show. Very exciting about that. I don't think I have a big uh, presence in College Station. I think I have about 30 listeners. And hey, not yet. That's a, well, that's okay. <laughs> have you been to Brian? Actually, have you made the no. trip out to Brian? It's actually worthwhile. Alex and Cynia run some cool rooms out there, and it's a very fun. I fun met time. him for the first time. At he, he's a Debbie sweetheart. Show. I love that guy. And Debbie's great too. She has, her comedy garden show is a lot of fun. I, I had the privilege to do that back in September. But yeah, I would I would strongly suggest checking out Brian. It's 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 Tuesday and it's like a ninety mile ride. But if we ever uh, well yeah, I'll let if we you ever know. head out that way, just let us know, man. We'll, you uh, ride with us. Well, thanks for doing the podcast. Oh, thanks Patrick. for having me on, Bob. It was good to talk to you, buddy. I appreciate it. Patrick Eady, follow on Instagram at uh, Coors Light Poppy Seven One Three. Thank you. <laughs>